Matthew 6, 12. And then Matthew 18, 21 through 35. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then 18 it says, then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began, to reckon, when he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Please bow and pray with me. Lord God, I ask that the words spoken be of you, that they fill our hearts and motivate our limbs to action so that when we go out, people will know who we are, but more importantly, whose we are. Amen. My sister and brother-in-law have a podcast that I listen to every now and again, and it's about marriage. They've been married almost what, four years, three years, and they know that in their early relationship, in their early marriage, that they don't have all the sage wisdom that one acquires after so many years of marriage, but they still dialogue about certain issues, and one issue that came up was forgiveness. And so I'm listening to them and they are hilarious. They're, they're back and forth. But what you get is that they genuinely listen to one another. So in this podcast on forgiveness, it comes up the definition of forgiveness. And there's this 
according to psychology, what uh, forgiveness is. And it is intentionality. Forgiveness to cease to feel resentment against. To stop wanting to punish for an offense. But what struck me was intentionality. When seeking forgiveness, there is an intention to do so. Because I don't know if you've had the experience of needing to be forgiven, but it is a challenging undertaking. Asking someone to forgive you, one requires that you acknowledge that there has been a wrong made, right? But then there's this vulnerability that happens as well. You're at the mercy to some extent of the other person. And then the flip side of that is, if someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, they are then opening up themselves to you, seeking pity, love, compassion. And it's not something that happens, I say, naturally. Yes, we need, it's funny, because we need forgiveness, right? We need to be forgiven. But that whole asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness is something that takes time and practice. So I say that it's, it's something that we need to form a habit doing. In the story that, we, that was read this morning, we have Peter. Oh, Peter. Peter's always the one that asks the tough questions. He's willing to go out on the limb. But in this particular case, we have it where Peter is just so certain that the answer that he's giving is a correct answer. For him saying, how many times should we forgive someone? Seven, right? Like he's, he's thinking that is more than enough. Like seven times. I mean, one, what's that, how's that saying go? Um, one, shame on me, like fool me once. Shame on me a second time. Well, shame on you. And then a second time, like shame on me, right? If you get to that third and fourth and fifth and sixth time of forgiving the same individual, and sometimes it's for the same offense, people start questioning your sanity. They start wondering, what is, why is that person even stealing your life? How many times must that person burn and spurn and step on you before you realize that maybe, just maybe, that person isn't in need of your um, company, right? Get them out of your space. So when Peter says seven, he's thinking like, I'm about to get a gold star here. I mean, he's just listened to Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, and, and Jesus is talking about what the kingdom of God is like and, and how people who claim God are to act one toward another. So Peter's like, yeah, I got this. If nothing else, I have this one. And then Jesus comes back and says, no, 77 times. And it's like, wait a minute. I was being gracious with seven, Lord. And now you want 77 times? And there's some uncertainty about, is it 77 times 7 or 70 times 7? But the point is, a lot. A point is, the point is, you forget the number. That's the point. 
where you we stop keeping tally. I had a professor in high school who said that she had a a log. She kept a tally of all the offenses of her husband. <laughs> We're in high school and she's sharing this. And I don't know I don't remember if she was proud of this or not, but I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh. <laughs> a journal of offenses." So that when he came to her, she could say, oh, on such and such date, at such and such time, when the moon was high and the, and, and the climate was balmy, you did X, Y, and Z. They're no longer married. But she, ha but she had this log. And can you imagine people doing it? Oh, are you some of the ones that did? <laughs> You're like, what's wrong with that? No. But the thing is that not to keep a tally, right? And it's, it's difficult, and we know it's difficult, and that's the point. Jesus isn't saying that it's something easy or that it's something automatic. Jesus is saying do it anyway. And then when we look at the scripture that's read from the prayer, because we're on forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, this is a prayer that we're to pray daily, a daily prayer of forgiveness. And I'll look into that a little bit more because it's like, is it conditional? It's like, uh, in order for me to be forgiven, I guess I have to forgive you. Right? So we'll get back to that. So in the text then with the parable, Jesus talks about this, this slave and he owed the equivalent of $11 million. $11 million. Now, it's an allegory, so we're not going to parse this. Like, why would anyone loan a slave $11 million? Like, what was going on? Where was the money going, and why was he still a slave? Like, there are these logical questions that we would ask, but that's not, that's not the point. The point is the amount owed was more than what, he could give, and that his Lord was giving it to him, giving it, giving it, giving it constantly, constantly. So that when it came time for, you know, pay the piper, he was like, oh, my gosh, like, have patience with me. Patience. Patience. In some cultures, communities, they break ankles for less. But move to compassion, not having to forgive. Being in a position of authority, but still being open and empathetic to the person's plight. All debts forgiven. All debts. Not pay me in installments. Not with interest. All forgiven. So you would think that when he saw someone who owed him the equivalent of Three years wages. I mean, it's nothing to sneeze at, but it's not $11 million. And it's like this forgetting, this amnesia happens. Where he throttles this individual and then has him thrown into prison until he can pay back. So naturally, people tell. And so what's the point? Why is Jesus sharing this? It's because when we are in the body of Christ, 
We are to forgive regardless. And that's not to say that we're to forget, but we're to forgive. And I, too, would expound on that point a little bit more. But going back to the, the prayer, forgive us as we forgive others. Do you think that is a conditional statement? Do we forgive so that we can be forgiven? I mean, theologically, is that how it works? One for another. Like, I give, I get, I don't give, I don't get. Because the text seems to assume as much that we give in order to get. And those who aren't Christians would probably say that about us, right? That the only reason that we do any good is because we expect to get it back. Is that accurate? Think on that for a moment. Is that why we forgive? I would say it's incentive, but that's not the direction in, the, in how it goes. I would say it's more, I'm forgiving you because I have been forgiven. I am, I am able to forgive you because I know what it feels like to need and want and desire forgiveness. I am forgiving you because, because. And we don't, a lot of times we don't want to forgive. And it goes back to the forgetting. We think that to forgive is to forget and to condone whatever grievance, whatever hurt, whatever we felt. If I forgive you, that makes it okay. And then you'll come back to me later like nothing happened. And I don't like the thought of that. I don't like the thought of you thinking it's okay to hurt me repeatedly because I've forgiven you. That does something to me. And so we hold on to this anger, we hold on to this resentment, we lord it over an individual because now we have the power. You hurt me and now I have the power over you because now you want me to forgive you. Oh, the shoe's on the other foot now. And so we hold on to this and we, it's like that crumpled paper from this morning and to keep it, to keep it crumpled up, to make a fist around a piece of paper takes so much strength and concentration where you're not focused on anything else but what's crumpled up in your hand. Because the moment you let go, uh-oh. What does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for us? And so I would say that there's not the forgetting component because I don't think our God is a God of amnesia. By that, I mean, I don't think forgetting, losing memories is of God. I think it's a product of our environment, of being in a sinful world, but I think God wants us to remember. So how do we hold this tension then of forgiving and forgetting? 
Well, let's see. Another point that came out of the podcast, which I really liked, is that us forgiving is, is kind of a wellness measure. If, if we're not thinking about the other individual, if we, if we have no compassion for this person, if we're like, I don't care. But if we want to be selfish in this moment of thought until we get to the point where we're, we're thinking of the other individual, baby steps, right? But at least for ourselves, to forgive is for our wellness. We get to live and breathe and engage in a way that maybe we hadn't before. Again, sure, it hurt, but we don't feel that hurt the same way. It is a memory, but when we don't forgive, we still have the pains in our body. So part of the forgetting isn't, I don't remember what you did. I have no recollection. If, I mean, if that's true, then that's true. But if you still remember what that person did, to recall that memory and not associate with it a hurt and a brokenness, that's forgiveness. But it's intentional. That's another thing. Well, again, remember, intentional. Intentionality requires work. Intentionality necessitates a habit-forming practice. You've heard that it takes, what, 30, 21, 30 days to, for anything to become a habit, right? For any new practice to be a habit. A, a new study as of 2009 says that it takes about 18 to 254 days for any new habit, for any new practice to become a habit. That's repetition. That's over and over. That's not getting it right. That may, you know, fall into old habits, old habits. But you're wor but working at it, working at it, working at it. Because, again, this is in the body of Christ. And what it does is being specific. Sure, we forgive those who aren't within the body of Christ. But specifically those who claim Christ as Lord. When we forgive we open up opportunity for reconciliation. What do you think that does for other believers? If we don't forgive, we just have this brokenness, un unattended to, just broken, broken, hurt, resentful, just all in, all in the church. And so the habit-forming practice of forgiveness is so that we can become as a group whole because we can look at this individually but this prayer is forgive us it's corporate forgive us collective community and so when we agree to forgive we are saying i want this relationship i think is i think is valuable and let's, let's bridge this gap. Again, it's not going to happen overnight. Again, that's 70 times 70. I think maybe that's what Jesus meant, right? Practice it, practice it, practice it, practice it. So it's not so much that it's you keep 
reoffending. You keep hurting me. But maybe it's like we need to get good at it. Not Again, not just, oh, I forgive you, but will you forgive me? And then thinking corporately, going out into the world, will you forgive us? Because as Christians, those who claim Christ as Lord, we do a lot of hurt. And I'm not saying individually. Again, corporately. People are having the banner of Christ and are repeat offenders. Forgive us. Forgive us. And it says debts. So here's a bit. So we have some people say debts. Presbyterians, thank you. Uh, Some people say sins. Some people say transgressions. Is it different? No. In Aramaic, it's hoba, hoba, and it, it means debts, but it can mean sins and sins against God. Transgressions, to violate a law. So we see how it's connected. It's just semantics, really. Forgive us, forgive us. So how do we do this? Wellness, self-care. Well, I looked it up online. Uh, Very well, the name of the website, Very Well Mind. You can take it or leave it, but I thought it had a few good points, and I'll end with these. Express yourself. A lot of times, people don't know that they've offended us. Why? Because we act like nothing happened. Or we're unclear, very vague. You know what you did. I just went to the kitchen and, and poured a glass of water, and you're in here fuming. Ah, I don't know. Express yourself. Say how you were offended. Look for a positive. It's like, wait, what? There can be a lesson learned in any negative experience. If only learning what triggers us and how to better express ourselves. Cultivating empathy. It's kind of like putting yourself in the other person's shoes. And when we've been offended, we don't, we, no, it's not about you, it's about me. I don't, I don't care why you might have offended. I just care that you offended me in particular. But maybe having empathy will lessen the amount of hurt that we feel. Maybe. Protect yourself and move on. Lesson learned, right? Okay, I see how it is. All right, now I know. And the moving on component is maybe you need a time to breathe, a time of separation before you can address it again or address that person. But again, it's not forgetting. And then lastly, get help if you need it. Maybe it's a hurt that's deep and traumatic, PTSD, or what have you. And you're having 
and inability getting over it because it's it's going to take some work of the professional kind. So forgiveness is not easy. But if we practice it and are intentional about it, we'll get better. Amen.